the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. It's December 17th. I'm Tom Lyons, and you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Irish Times business and technology podcast. Uh, When British pub giant Weatherspoons announced it was entering the Irish pub market, many were sceptical that Irish drinkers would want to drink in a branded uh, pub chain, but low prices are drawing in the punters. And the company has shown it's not afraid to challenge the status quo, first by dropping Diageo products, including Guinness, and more recently by dropping Heineken. Uh, Can this aggressive strategy pay off for Weatherspoons, and what will it mean for Irish Irish publicans and for consumers. I'm joined by Connor Pope, a consumer affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and business journalist Owen Burke Kennedy. Owen, I'll go to you first. Um, can you give us a sense of where Wetherspoons is in the Irish market at the moment and uh, how big it is in the UK? Yeah, well, I mean, it's only uh, has two pubs operational uh, at the moment in the Irish market and the second one in Dunleary, the 40-foot venue, opened only last night. So it has only a minuscule presence Uh, on the ground at the moment, but it has plans to open 30 new venues uh, in the space of the next two years. So it is planning uh, a fairly big engagement with the Irish market. In England, it has uh, 926 bars and 31 hotels. So it's got quite a large presence there. I think the metric I heard recently was that every fifth drink sold in the UK is through uh, a Witherspoon's uh, venue, which is quite sizable. So it's high-profile bust-up with uh, Heineken last week, um, essentially vaporised about 76 million euros of sales for Heineken UK. So it was quite an interesting uh, play because one Irish pub, essentially the supply of uh, Heineken products to one Irish pub essentially caused uh, untold damage uh, in the neighbouring market of the UK. And Connor, uh, you heard Owen there saying that you know there's going to be 30 weather spoons around the country. Uh, is this something that you think is a good thing for consumers? Uh, do, you, do you think that you know the access to cheap booze that 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 that's something that should be welcomed? Well, instinctively, I'd rebel against this for the very simple reason that the one thing that Ireland has given the world is the Irish pub. And it seems really depressing that we're now sacrificing that at the altar of commerce and we're going to have another British chain coming in here, taking our jobs and taking our drinkers. And it seems terribly unfair on that level. But that's an entirely emotive response because the other response is, of course, it's very welcome because it will offer an alternative to Irish drinkers. It will offer cheaper alcohol. Now, we can talk about the morality of cheaper cheaper alcohol later, but the real truth is that for Irish consumers for the last 20 or 30 years, they have been gouged by two huge uh, companies. Diageo and Heineken have virtually had a stranglehold on the Irish pub trade for more than a generation. And as a result... That has, se- ha- has seen prices climb to artificially high levels, in my opinion. Um, and that happens when there's an absence of competition. Um, so what Weatherspoons is doing is it's trying to break the duopoly that exists. It's trying to break the stranglehold that Heineken and Diageo have on the Irish pub trade because we have this very quaint impression of the Irish pub and we think that it's all of these independent reta- independent publicans going about their business providing, providing convivial spaces for people to, to congregate. But the reality is that it is controlled in an incredibly regimented way 
by these two big multinational drinks corporations. So anything that comes along that shakes that up, I think, is to be welcomed. Um, the other thing, I, the other issue I have is that my experience of Weatherspoon's pubs in the UK has never been great. They're either, they're, they're, they tend to be very formulaic. They tend to have screeching uh, slot machines in the corners and you, ha- you tend to have very miserable people feeding pound coins into those slot machines. It's, in my experience, it's a really depressing thing. But I don't think that's going to be replicated in the Republic of Ireland for one very simple reason. It is against licensing laws in Ireland to have slot machines or poker machines on a pub, on a pub's premises. So that one thing that has, in my mind, dragged Weatherspoons and, to be honest, loads of English pubs down will be removed from the equation when they open in Ireland. So that's something else that, that's to be welcomed. And the other thing that Weatherspoons is making a big play on is their food offering. Because, of course, nobody wants to enter the market and say they want to <laughs> corner the market in drunk people because that never sells well in the well, press. they don't explicitly say that. No, they don't <laughs> explicitly say that. But that's kind of what... Any pub wants. Any pub wants people to drink loads because that's how they maximise their profits. But what Weatherspoons is doing now is it's pushing its food offering. And it is offering fairly cheap, you know, fairly basic pub fare. The, the price of, its, of the alcohol is very cheap. And I think it has, as I say, shaken up the market. And anything that shakens up, shaken, sh- uh, shakes the market and br- brings a new element to competition is probably on balance, despite the 800 years of colonial oppression, probably on balance to be welcomed. And would you see, own similarities with when Aldi and Lidl came into the Irish market? You know, everyone was there, oh, they're going to close all the corner shops uh, and they're going to close down Irish SMEs, uh, which to some extent they did, uh, but ultimately wasn't it quite good for the consumer? Yes, absolutely. Uh, at the moment... Uh, I mean, Witherspoon's only have, as one pub. And when it opened, this is the uh, Three Ton Tavern in Black Rock. When it opened in July, it set its price at uh, four seventy five for a pint of Heineken, slightly undercutting the market. And that's its modus operandi. It could well be described as the kind of Ryanair of the pub trade. So something then happened and it recalibrated its prices a number of times since and ended up charging two ninety five for a pint of Heineken and two fifty for a pint of Ho- uh, Foster's. Now that was a 40% plus uh, undercutting of the market, which really uh, set the cat amongst the pigeons for a lot of the uh, local uh, rival bars and uh, concern was raised by publicans with Heineken uh, to the effect of were they giving Witherspoons a preferential price. Now, I've heard from some of my research that uh, Heineken has assured publicans in Dublin that Witherspoons is not getting a preferential price, leading a lot of people to believe then that it is selling its Heineken products or at least was selling its Heineken products, um, you know, at a break-even point or even at a loss to increase footfall. Now, footfall has increased in that BlackRock venue largely, I'm told, by UCD students who are availing of the cheap beer to come down and have it. So I'm not too sure Witherspoons wants to create a kind of student-only venue, but we'll see in time. And Connor, I take your point about it. You know, like I've, I've been in Weatherspoons in Manchester and Birmingham, and they can be pretty grim places, all right? Uh, yeah. But haven't we always had chains here in Ireland too? I mean, we've had Capital Bars, Jay Burke has had hotel, uh, has had bars. Um, you know, like there, there has been lots of bar chains before, and that hasn't disturbed the atmosphere of, uh, of pubs. Yeah, but I don't think people would have been 
fully aware of the fact that, you know, capital bars were a chain. I mean, are, are the, the Jay Burke owned bars were part of a chain because they were all very different and they were all branded and marketed in, in a very different way. I mean, oh, I think one of the, th- the, the interesting questions for me is that they've now lost Guinness because they're, they're not going to do, do business with Diageo. And they've, ne- they've lost Murphy's because they're not going to do business with Heineken. So now you have a pub in South County Dublin that is, go- is not selling stout. Now, maybe they will do a deal with Beamish and Crawford, which I think is the only independent, yeah. large independent stout producer in the country. But if they don't do that deal with Beamish, well, then they will be the only, they will be a pub in Ireland not selling stout. And to my mind, that's just ridiculous. And the other thing that I think they, they need to answer is, in the heartland of Ross O'Carroll Kelly, how can they possibly get away without selling Heineken? It just seems unconscionable to me. And would you agree, Owen? I mean, like, if you think about it, like, you know, people are moving towards craft beers. They want to try different things. Uh, like, is having Guinness and Heineken in a pub, you know, that relevant anymore? Well, Connor would probably be better disposed to answer the question just how popular craft beers are becoming. It seems like in England, um, their founder and chairman is a big fan of craft beers, and um, they're the biggest purchasers uh, uh, of microbreweries. Uh, produce in England so it seems like they're uh, definitely going down that route whether they can survive by not selling any stout yeah I mean it seems like they're you know running against the national palate on that one but uh, and uh, as to Heineken I don't know so sure I I mean I think there's a lot of uh, larger alternatives to Heineken drinkers but not selling a stout yeah would seem to go against the grain in Ireland um but we'll see, I suppose. I think you could really overstate the importance as well of uh, craft beers. I mean, yeah, in certain hipster centrals, everybody talks about the craft beers. But the reality is that market is still incredibly small. And it is the big players. It is the Diageo and the Heinekens. That, that's, that's what people expect when they go into pubs. And that's what they buy. And th- those products are marketed so heavily. That, you know, I, I can't see a world in which small, independent craft uh, uh, producers will be making products that people will buy wi- whole, uh, cr- across the, the market, much as I'd like it, because it would be lovely if we were to re-enter a world in which there was 55 different uh, stout makers in the country, and depending on what part of the country you went into, you'd get a different type of stout or a different type of ale or a different type of, type of lager. I mean, oh, that kind of eclectic choice is better for everybody. But I mean, in the huge kind of monolithic multinational world in which we live, I just can't see that taking hold in any in any big way. I think when we're talking about Weatherspoons now, as as they're, they're, it's it's almost like a, a, a drinking oddity. Because you have this scenario where there's two of them and it's quirky. I think the conversation and the debate could be very different in a scenario where there was 30 or 40 or 50 Weatherspoons around the country. Because, you know, we talk about chains and nobody has an objection to it. A small chain, the likes of Jay Burke or Capital or whoever it might be. But if there was a monolithic chain, I think people would have a problem with it. But the, all, the other intangible, and I think this is an important point, and I'm not sure because I wouldn't be totally up to speed on the, the, the atmosphere in, in Weatherspoons in, in South County Dublin because I haven't been to either of the pubs because that's not where I drink. Um, but... The, the, the key intangible that makes a pub or breaks a pub is the atmosphere inside. And that doesn't come down to price. It doesn't come down to offering. It comes down to something else. And I'm not sure if the people who are running Weatherspoons get that, that essential intangible that makes the Irish pub special. And for good or ill, that's what the Irish pub is. It is special. Do you think that that's the case, Owen, that atmosphere is important? Isn't there just a lot of people who just want to have a cheap drink and uh, quite a few of them? I what would kind say of pubs do you go to, Tom? <laughs> I, would say, I would say with a certain age cohort and not wanting to be ageist, but yeah, I, I would think the atmosphere is certainly uh, 
less of a consideration than the price structure. And there's no doubt what Connor said earlier on that Irish pub goers have been fleeced for years. And it seems strange that nobody seems to want to undercut the kind of five euro pint range until now. So, and judging by the level of footfall that the venue in Blackrock is getting on the basis of, of its uh, reduced prices, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? But I think you, you, you can focus too much on price because everybody who, who is even a passing uh, um, understanding of what's happened to drinking culture in Ireland is acutely aware of the fact that people are, are drinking way more at home. That's what's killing the pub trade. It's, it's people buying low-cost, below-cost booze in one of the four big retailers in the state, drinking it at home. And that's so. That's what's driving the prices down, uh, and that's that's what's having the biggest impact on pubs. People go to pubs to have the crack and to meet people. Now, boys will go to, to pubs to meet girls, and girls will go to pubs to meet boys. If there is a preponderance of drunk lads in a pub, it's not going to be popular. That's just a fact. So you do need to focus on the ambience and you do need to focus on the type of music you play, the the, the, the volume of the music. There's all of these different strands. And if Weatherspoons get it right, well then fair play to them. That'll be a good thing because they will be providing places that are full of atmosphere and serve cheap drink. Because I think it is interesting that, you know, if the price of a pint of Heineken, say, is almost uniformly a fiver, and a, a pub chain can come in and charge two ninety five for it. Well, then the question has to be asked: If they're charging two ninety five for it, why can't X pub or Y pub or all the other pubs charge that much? And Owen mentioned the whole Ryanair concept. Um, I'd hate to think that they would develop the, the manners that Ryanair had in the early days in a pub because that would be bad news for everybody. But if they did prove successful in driving down the prices in pubs in other parts of the country and pubs that were independent of that chain. Well, that would be good news for everybody except the publicans. But, you know, we're not in the business of defending or protecting the publicans. But Connor, can I just ask you, like, we've had, you know, five, six years of recession. We've had increased people drinking at home. And have the prices across pub chains in Ireland dropped at, at any? No, because I, and I don't, think, I don't think publicans have responded in, 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 in the main to the challenges that have been posed to them because I think they've more focused on improving the value offering so they will have bigger screens to play Sky Sports or they will have you know certain types of themed nights to draw people in and they haven't fo- focused on price and it, might, it would be an interesting challenge to see what would happen if the price across the board in Irish pubs fell by 20% or 30%. But then you do have another problem, and I mentioned it at the, at the beginning. You do have a problem of low-cost alcohol. Because it's very easy to be blasé and say, it's all about price, and the cheaper the booze is, the better it is for everybody. But the reality is, the cheaper the booze is, is not necessarily a good thing. And anybody who has ever had the misfortune to spend even 10 hours overnight on a weekend in an accident and emergency department in this country knows the untold damage that alcohol does across the board. And cheap alcohol does more damage than expensive alcohol. But we have a pub trade that is obviously complete, completely price insensitive, which is by its very nature just reflecting a lack of competition. Well, it is price insensitive, but it's also struggling. And that's the, that's the issue that you see because, you know, pubs aren't doing well and they're not doing well because they haven't responded to the changing market, unlike the retail sector, for instance, which has responded very well. And the retail sector is probably, I'm talking about the grocery retail sector, has bounced back and you see uh, price inflation there and you see increased footfall across all the big shops. They've responded to the six years of austerity. I don't think the pub pub trade has. But you do have to come back to the question, is cheap alcohol a good thing? And I think on balance, I would probably say no. 
And Owen, where do you see, you know, like, like if, if we say, say we fast forward in time now and we've got 30 Wetherspoons, um, you know, probably in Dublin, Cork, maybe Galway. Uh, can you see Irish pubs closing down because of the competition? That, you know, if, if they in any way capture, like provided the atmosphere isn't absolutely terrible, say it's reasonably good and the drink is cheap and, they, and they're showing the football match, you know, why would you go to the Irish pub? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, an interesting backdrop to last week's bust-up was that at first we were told that, uh, off the record anyway, that Heineken were very unhappy that its premium lager brand, the most popular lager in the country, was being sold at a sort of bargain basement price of two ninety five, which in Heineken's eyes, it devalued their brand. But then later in the week, we found out that a lot of concerned publicans were contacting Heineken either directly or through their sales rep to register a concern that how would they be able to compete uh, with uh, a neighbouring pub or with a chain the size that have uh, 30 pubs that was going to sell uh, beer at this price. Now, that would mean basically that the publicans would have to get on to Heineken and say, look, I'm going to go out of business unless you start cutting your rates. So... There's going to be a bit of that. If if Witherspoons continues to undercut the market, you know, Heineken and Diageo are going to have to reconsider their pricing structures, there's no doubt. And can you see that, Connor, as well? That like that, you know, like can you see some of your favourite pubs closing down because of this? Or do you think that the the good the good pubs will stay open and and it'll be the weaker ones that get we I think a, yeah I, th- I I would like to think that uh, you know a, a good pub will would be able to withstand almost any pressure because they're not going to be competing with the likes of a big chain. Um, but having said that, I think you know, and we do have to be cognizant of the fact that that could happen. And if that did happen, I think it would be t- to the detriment of our society because you know the Irish pub is something that should be celebrated, and it is something that has been crafted out of almost nothing and. Without of the, without any of the interference of of you know capitalist capitalism or materialism, it's, it's something that evolved over a hundred, one hundred and fifty years. It's not something that you can just parachute into a society like everyone has tried. Just Irish pubs in every single country, small city in the world, but it, but it's hard to replicate what you have in Ireland. And I think that is something that we need to treasure and we need to respect because it is it is a very good thing about our society. Absolutely. Uh, Connor Pope, uh, Consumer Affairs Correspondent with the Irish Times and uh, Owen Burke, Kennedy Business uh, Journalist with the Irish Times. Thanks for coming on this week's podcast. Now let's go for a pint. And that's it for this week's Irish Times Business and Technology podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. My producer was Sinead O'Shea. Sound engineer was JJ Vernon and research was by Declan Connell.